Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How's everybody doing today? All right. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Father, for all the opportunities that you've given us. God, we thank you, Lord, that, God, you know exactly where we are today in our journey of faith. God, where we need to be challenged, where we need to be encouraged, where we need to be, God, adjusted. Father, thank you, Lord, that you would speak to us by your word. God, let us hear something that really resounds with us and we're able to take and run with, causes us to be more successful in the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The last two weeks, we've been talking about learning to think like God. Somebody just turn and, and, and say, think holy. And... Uh, so we've been talking about that. We've been talking about thinking like Christ. And the title for this series is, is Think Holy. And we want to think, not religiously, but we want to be able to think on a higher dimension. Um, and think with higher capacity. And that's exactly what Paul was talking about when he said um, that we can have the mind of Christ. We have access now. We have the opportunity to have the mind of Christ. And so it's not... It's not about something that's religious, rather it's operating at the highest potential that God has given you. And that is thinking holy. 1 Peter 1.16, we're told that we must be holy because he is holy. And we see throughout the Bible this echoed over and over again to be holy because he is holy. So we want to be like him, but to be holy we have to first learn to think that way. So today I want to continue on our series, Think Holy, um, and I want to talk a little bit about, last week we talked about the spiritual detox, right? Getting the impurities out of our system, just like in the natural, we have to get the impurities out so that we can function at our highest capacity. The spirit is no different. We have to get the impurities out so we can operate on the level that God wants us to operate. Today I want to talk to you about money and how it affects the way that we think. So I've entitled this today, um, All They Ever Talk About Is Money. Just to be fun. Just to be fun. All they ever talk about is money. <laughs> Some people don't like to come to church, of course, because they think all they ever talk about is money. But the truth is, everybody is talking about money. Right? We all have different thoughts on money. And so it's not that people aren't thinking about, some people aren't thinking about money, we just think about money in different ways. Um, did you know, though, that God also talks a lot about money? And so, if there's something that's very close to people's hearts, and people are talking about it, don't you think God should have something to say about it as well? And so, roughly 2,350 verses talk about money. And Jesus talked about money about 15% of the time. So probably if I talked about money 15% of the time, y'all would be like, please stop talking about money. 
But Jesus did talk a lot about money. Because it's very near and dear, right, to, it's a topic that's, that's, that's very important to people. And so um, we're going to take a look at that. God, want us, God wants us to be at the highest capacity, and that includes how we think about money. So we are learning to think holy. An, uh, an NBC survey from this year found that 52% listed money as the thing that takes the biggest toll on their mental health. And a recent CNN survey said 71% of Americans identify money as a significant cause of stress in their lives. I want to tell you how to think holy. When you think holy, you're not going to be stressed. Most people are thinking about money. Some are hungry for it. Some are worried about it. Some use it as a tool to accomplish something more. Some are just greedy. Others are desperate. There are many ways that you can think about money. The Bible says this, and it's very telling about us as human beings. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So probably if you go home and you look at your bank statement, you're going to see some of the biggest things that you value represented right there. Right? If you go home and look at your bank statement, you'll probably see what's important to you. For some, it's a big house. For some, maybe a nice car. Others, maybe a good vacation or an education. The things you pay the most for are normally the things that are of most value to you. For some people, it's a big house, and maybe they get strapped with a mortgage payment that's bigger than they can handle. Or it's a a nice car. You drive by some driveways, and you're like, what is that car doing in that driveway? Somebody overspent at the car lot. Maybe it's toys, maybe it's vacations, maybe it's family. But wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Most people are thinking about money just in different ways. Some people think about it selfishly, other people think about it generously. Some people have a lot and still want more. Others have a very little and think about it just as much as somebody that's greedy. Did you know that? A greedy person and a person in poverty both think about money about the same, but it's from different perspectives. Money was never meant to dominate our thought process. We were meant to think holy. So how do you think about money today? That's a question. It's an introspective question. How do you think about money? I think it's often understand, uh, often misunderstood even in um, church culture because we misunderstand certain scriptures like 1 Timothy 6.10 that says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I want us to focus, though, on where the love is. It says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. See, we're commanded in Matthew 22, 37, and 38, you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So if I love the Lord with all, that relegates money to be used as a tool. Follow me here. If I love God with all, that relegates money to be used as a tool. I cannot love God with all and love money too. 
So if I love God with all, money will fall into its proper place and perspective in my life. So money is not bad. It's the love or the worship of money that's bad. Thinking holy is loving God and using money as a tool for good. So money is not bad or good. It's how you use it that determines what it becomes. If we have the wrong thinking towards money, all types of evil can result. That's essentially what scripture is saying. If we love money more than God, bad result. If we love money more than our spouse, bad result. If we love money more than our kids, bad result. If we love money more than advancing God's kingdom, bad result. Bad thinking with money equals bad results. So our journey is to think differently, to think holy. When we think holy, we are operating on a level where we cannot be corrupted by the love or greed of money. And so this is why it's so important. What we're talking about, thinking the right way. When we think holy, money is our servant and not the other way around. Money in itself is not good or evil. It's the way we use it that defines what it comes. See, I believe God wants to bless his people, and that blessing includes money. Is it okay to talk a little bit about this? I believe God wants to bless you and me, and that blessing includes, the whole blessing isn't just money, but it includes money. Listen to his promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 too. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. God wants to, just as he blessed Abraham, he wants to bless us. But he wants us to, to, to bless us not so that we can be selfish. He wants, us to, he wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. So thinking holy is about understanding God is blessing me so I can be a blessing to others. As God blesses me, I bless my family. I bless my church. I bless those God puts in my path. Because I'm a believer, I think differently about money and how I use it. God wants to bless you, but can he trust you? This is what, this is what the, 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 the tone of Scripture This is what the principles of Scripture show us. And that's the question. For some, he's already started to bless you, but he wants to do more. For others, he's waiting for you to change the way you think. He wants you to think holy before he starts to give you more finances. Listen to this parable. I'm not going to tell you stuff without backing it up with Scripture. Listen to Matthew 25, 14 through 30. In the King James Version... This parable is called the parable of the talents, but in more modern translations, it's called the parable of three servants or the parable of the bags of gold. So clearly, Jesus is telling a parable about stewardship of finances. You can also derive lessons about being a steward over the gifts that you have, right? That's a symbolic thing, but literally what he was talking about was the stewardship of money in the story. So the master had three servants, and he goes on to say in Matthew 25, 14, again, a man was going on a journey, and he called his servants and entrusted them with his wealth. And to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So each servant, he gave them bags of gold or money, 
according to their level of ability. Please get this. Jesus said the master gave bags of gold. He gave them finances. He gave them resources according to their ability. That sounds like a good idea, right? I wouldn't give a teenager and trust the teenager with the same amount of money that I would entrust somebody that has been paying a mortgage for 10 years. So he gave to each according to their ability. So the master gives three servants different amounts of money depending on their ability. Now, I want to do the math for you just so you know what we're talking about in today's money. So the first servant he gave to the one he gave roughly $400,000. The second one he gave $800,000. And the, the last one he gave $2 million to. That I'm going on a trip. I'm going to give you four hundred. I'm going to give you $800,000. i am going to give you $2 million. Now, I'm going to come back and I'm going to check up on you and see how you've stewarded what I've given you. But I've already kind of know what your ability, your capability is. God wants to bless us. God wants to trust us with financial resources, but we have to learn how to think holy. God will not bless you beyond your current ability to manage the blessing. He wants to bless you, but he will not violate the principle of good stewardship. If you do not have the right thinking, you will not receive everything God has for you. You will receive according to your faith. You will receive according to your thinking. So how holy is your thinking? God wants to bless you to be a blessing. So the question is, how holy is your thinking? And this is a time, this is a season to really meditate on that because it's God's good plan and good desire to bless his people. Because an unholy mind will take the blessing and spend it on unholy things. Right? When God blesses you, you will spend it, will you spend it in the pursuit of, of purpose or will you get distracted? When God blesses you, will you invest it in your family or will you spend it on yourself? When God blesses you, will you invest it in his kingdom or will you only build up your own kingdom? We're talking about stewardship here, right? God blesses people all throughout the Bible. Abraham was very wealthy. So was Isaac. So was Jacob. So was David. So was Noah. So was Daniel. So was Esther. So many of our heroes of faith were wealthy people. God doesn't mind blessing you if you will share the blessing like he directs you. Right? When I see my kids sharing what I give them, do you think it makes me want to give them more? Absolutely. If I give my kids something and they don't share it and they're mean to each other, what does it make me want to do? It makes me want to take back what I even gave them before. Say, so you know what? You're not even ready for this. God wants to bless you, but he has to be able to trust you with finances. He wants to bless you, but first he wants to teach you to think holy. Let's go back to the parable. Matthew 25, 19 through 22, it says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold, or two million dollars, he brought another five. Master, he said, I doubled your money. You gave me two million, I'm giving you back four. 
You entrusted me with five bags. See, I've gained five more. And the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. I want you to understand how Jesus talks about money. He said, if you can't be trusted with worldly wealth, I can't really trust you with the real, true riches. Like, this is the basics. Handling earthly money is the basics. This is a proving ground for me giving you even greater things. So anyways, then the master repeats the same approval to the second one. He says, Master, you gave me two bags, and I gained another one. I, I, I gained another two. And he says, great job. Now, what happened, we see the third servant who took the 400,000 and he dug a hole and he put it in the ground. The master was not happy with the third servant. And we see it in Matthew 25, 26. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, you should have put my money on deposit in the, with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Now watch this. This is the this is kingdom thinking. This is not earthly thinking. He says, "For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance." Remember, God is a God of abundance. But there's a pathway to abundance. It's called stewardship. Right? So he said, "Take the one bag from the one guy who misstewarded it." Give it to the guy with 10 bags because whoever has, more will be given and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. Now, now you can draw whatever conclusion, but let me tell you something. The place that the devil wants to get people to is poverty, where there's weeping where there's gnashing of teeth. Yes, there's an eternal perspective of this, but there's also a temporal perspective of this. Many people operate in this place of poverty where there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth because there was not good stewardship, right? And it, so the blessing, the person that mishandles what the master entrusts them with ends up getting thrown out. And the blessing that he had was taken away. And now he's walking in darkness. It sounds pretty bleak. But the truth is, God wants to bless us. The devil wants to keep us in the dark. God wants to make you prosperous. The devil wants to make you in poverty, right? Faith is about taking risk, godly risk, holy risk, right? That's what these first two servants did. You're not going to make money if you don't make some type of calculated, educated risks. And so they made faith risks. They made holy risk. Now, we have to learn to think holy. The third servant was too afraid. He was in fear of the master. So the master's going to come back and he's going to, he's a hard man. Right? Isn't that what he says? He's a hard man. You, You have high expectations and so he's afraid and he's lazy. So he doesn't take the risks of faith that he should have to multiply what the master had entrusted him with. So what is the takeaway? Don't live a life of fear. Don't live a life of laziness. Take what God has given you and begin to work with it. Whether it be finances, resources, whether it be your abilities, take it 
and put it to good use. Live by faith by changing the way you think. Many Christians have been misinformed or mistaught. They're under the assumption that holiness means you're supposed to be poor. God didn't say that. There's a few theologians that said it, but God didn't say that. Sometimes they would make you believe that the poorer that you are, the more holy that you are. But that's not the case, and that's not biblically accurate. Paul, besides doing ministry, had a tent-making business. Um, Now, ministry was his main focus, but he also had a side hustle, making tents. And that gave him the money needed to take care of himself and his companions. God wants you to be taken care of. God wants you to have the resources that you need for your purpose and have more left over. Right? That's what abundance is, to have more than you need for whatever it is that you need to do. Because God is a God of abundance, he will always give you more. Look at somebody and say, God will always give me more. And what do you do with the more? Well, that's up to you. Once we do what God has called us to do with our finances, we will find that there will always be more left over. Isn't that what we see with the widow of Zarephath? She did what God said to do, and then there was more. There was a lot more, right? Our abundance will supply our family and our ministry needs, and then there will be more left over. That is thinking holy. When I take, uh, when I take time and I tithe, I'm thinking holy. See how I'll put that first? When I tithe, I'm thinking holy. When I pay the expenses for my family, I'm thinking holy. When I take my wife out to dinner, I'm thinking holy. When I invest in my kids' education, I'm thinking holy. When I help others out that are in need, I'm thinking holy. When I give at church, I'm thinking holy. Then I find because I'm thinking holy, I have more left over. God is the God of abundance And he wants to bless you if you'll learn to trust him in everything, even finances. Can I say it again? God is a God of abundance, and he wants to bless you if you will learn to trust him in everything. And that everything includes finances. I want to show you one interaction that Jesus had that sometimes is misunderstood. It comes from Matthew 19, 16. So someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Well, which one? Man's already looking for a shortcut. (laughs) Jesus already said, keep the commandments. Well, which one? And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replies, what else must I do? And Jesus told him, the big one, he dropped the big one on him, he said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. 
But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I want you to see this. At face value, this seems like Jesus was asking something pretty steep. Jesus tells the man, sell everything you own, give it away to the poor. Now, that's a hard pill for anybody to swallow. But did you know that it was a test? Jesus was testing him. Take a step back for a second and think. Knowing the big picture now, if you were that man and Jesus said, sell everything you got and come follow me, you would say, absolutely. But the man had a lack of vision and a lack of faith. The guy really didn't realize the fullness of what was being offered to him. All of his earthly possessions for the opportunity to walk with God on the earth. Think about this. It pales in comparison. But this is the way that the enemy tricks us with money. It seems like in retrospect that we would choose God over money. But that's not what this young man did. What kept, what kept him from selling everything and going with Jesus? One thing. Money. Money literally kept him from his higher purpose. He could have been a disciple. He could have been one of the twelve. Jesus offered him to travel with him. Come and follow me. At the end of the story, he went, went away sad because he had many possessions. Guess what? He not only owned a lot of possessions, those possessions owned him. And this is an important thing to understand. If God can trust you that whatever he gives you, you will be willing to give up, then he can trust you with more. The more you're willing to give, the more you can be trusted to receive. And this is the interesting thing about God. He doesn't ask everyone to give everything, but he does demand the willingness to give everything. Can I say that again? He doesn't demand that everyone give everything, but he does demand the willingness to give everything. God may ask you to give all. God may not. The principle is willingness. God is looking for willingness to lay down everything, and that is thinking holy. Thinking holy is total surrender. He asked the young man to surrender all. We like to come and sing, I surrender, Lord. But he literally asked the guy, okay, let's, let's make this song a reality right now. Go and sell everything and follow me. But let me finish the story. The man walks away sad because he had a lot of stuff. Then Jesus says some more puzzling things to the disciples in Matthew 19, 23. He said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he doubles down because he's like, maybe that wasn't clear. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. Who can be saved? If the rich man can't be saved, who can be saved? Well, nobody can be saved, humanly speaking. But with God, 
all things are possible. Here's the thing I want you to focus on. Jesus didn't say a rich person can't go to heaven. He said it's harder. Follow me here. It's harder for the rich person to enter heaven because he's got a lot of stuff. And it's easy for that stuff to gain his love and attention and focus. And you end up loving the stuff and you end up loving the money sometimes instead of loving God. So here's the thought. It's better to have less and make it to heaven than have more and not make it to heaven. That's the takeaway. It would have been better to have been poor for a few years here and be wealthy in eternity than be wealthy for a few years here and be in poverty for the rest of eternity. That's the point that Jesus is making. But Jesus did not say that the rich man could not make it to heaven. He just said it's harder. And for that fact, it's impossible for anybody without God. But with faith in God, all things are possible. All right, so he's taking us on a journey. This is how he wraps it up. And I want you to catch this. Matthew 19, 27. We're walking down in the same story. Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made... Well, first Peter asked this question. He said, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? So Peter essentially is saying, we did exactly what you asked the young man to do. We gave up everything. What do we get? What you just asked him to do, all of us here that are following you, we did that. What's in it for us? And Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, the Son of Man sits upon the glorious throne. You have been my followers, will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. So Jesus, so Peter is saying to Jesus, we did exactly what you told the rich guy to do. You gave up everything. What do we get? And he says specifically to the disciples, I'm going to, you'll sit on 12 thrones. And judge Israel. But he says to everyone, say this, everyone, he says to everyone, everyone that gives up things or relationships for the sake of the kingdom will receive 100 times as much in return. Everyone that gives up things or relationships for the sake of the kingdom will receive 100 times. As much in return. So the disciples were to receive 100 times what they gave up. Now think about this in relationship to the young man that he asked to go and sell everything. Now you look at the story from a completely different perspective because it looked steep, but what he was offering him was to 100x his lifestyle. And he gets to walk with God. And he gets eternity. Can you look at somebody and say abundance? You read books like 
You listen to people like Grant Cordone, and he talks about 10xing everything. 10x everything. Jesus was saying, I want to 100x you. 100 times whatever you give to build the kingdom up or whatever you give up to follow me, I'm going to give it back to you 100-fold. God is not the God of poverty. God is not a God that wants to leave you in poverty. God is the God that wants to show you the path to prosperity. He became poor so that you could be rich. He became sick so that you could be healed, healthy, whole. He came that you could have life and have it what? This sounds like the same thing, the same narrative, right? Paul, he, sa- he says to Peter here, he says, everybody, somebody say everybody. Everybody. Everybody that gives up houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, property, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and inherit eternal life. The young man could not see the opportunity that was standing before him. He could not see. He lacked faith. He couldn't think holy in the area of finances. Maybe he was thinking holy in some other areas. He said, from a youth, I've followed all these commands. But he couldn't break out of that mentality God wants to 100x you. Not 10x, not 20x, not 30x. He wants to 100x your life. But you have to think different. God wants to bless you, but first, you have to think holy. In this season, what is God asking you to change in your thinking? Is it how you think about people? Men, is it how you think about women? Women, is it how you think about men? Is it how you think about money? Is it how you think about time? We must surrender what we think so that we can think holy. It's only when we're willing to lay down all that we can see the fullness of God's purposes. Will you stand with me and let's pray together. I want us to go on a journey to think like him. Will you put your hand on your head and say, God, help me think like you think. God, I want to think holy. Give me the mind of Christ. I want to be holy like you are holy. And I know that starts with the way I think. I want you to say, God, I give you my heart. God, I give you my mind. God, I give you my will. Help me think holy. I want to think how you designed me. I want to think high capacity. I want to have a Christ-like mentality. God, I want to be holy. Like you are holy. 
And God, I just pray for each and every person that's here today, God. You're taking us on a journey from the way that we used to think to the way that you want us to think. God, you're taking us from a broken place and a broken thought process to a whole thought process and a holy thought process. And it's not about being religious. It's about being at our highest potential. God, we want to be like Christ. Christ did not have a broken thought process. He did not have a corrupted mentality. He was not lusting. He was not greedy. But he thought holy. And it caused him to be able to do your purpose upon the earth. God, let us think in a way that enables us to do your purpose on the earth. God, that's what we want. God, take our heart. Take our mind. Take our will. God, we want to surrender what we have so that we can be more like And his heads are bowed. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord right now. I just feel like I've drifted in my relationship with him. And I need to reconnect. I don't know when or I don't know where, but it's just kind of slipped away. And I want to reconnect. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I've never really said yes to Jesus. I've never really accepted Jesus as my Savior. If either one of those are you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you right now, right where you are. Just slip up your hands. Amen. 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 If you slipped up your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer. And everybody that believes this, you can repeat this. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. And giving me a fresh start. I'm sorry for the times I've drifted. I'm sorry for the times I missed it. I'm sorry for the times I sinned. Help me live like you. Help me think like you. Renew my mind. Help me think holy. Jesus, I need your help. To do that. I need your guidance. To live right. I surrender all today. In Jesus name. Amen. Come on let's give God the praise today. If you believe that. Turn around and give somebody a high five. And tell them I'm ready to walk. At full capacity. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.